When you're small and you're not really worried about scale yet, you tend to do a lot of things. We offer a lot of customization um, and, we, we, and we still do, but we've had to become much more thoughtful about the customization that we offer in terms of scaling the manufacturing, both manufacturing and design. We're about to launch a showcase of our Airbnb properties, the people that have bought them specifically for short-term rentals. I mean, it's fun to be in a business where there's almost like two, there, like there, there's almost like you, you have to figure out where to pursue the opportunity. This is the Proco 360 podcast featuring world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, with stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. My guest today is Jeremy Nova of Studio Shed, a company that designs and manufactures, well, not really sheds the way we used to think of them, the way, way upscale version of those. Think backyard art studios, man caves, upscale garages, some with kitchens and bathrooms. And I first did an episode with Studio Shed back in early 2021 during COVID. Jeremy and I did it uh, online. And every once in a while, I do an updating episode to talk about how leaders evolve and companies mature in what generally becomes a more competitive marketplace if they've been successful. That's what happens. I did that earlier this year with Ian McGregor of Scratch Labs, and it was a great episode. So Jeremy, the bar has been set. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Good. Now, listeners, you will be able to hear that whole uh, prior episode with Jeremy and me about Studio Shed if you do a search at Proco360.com for Studio Shed or for Jeremy Nova. But I'm still going to level set here a little bit and ask Jeremy to give us a quick version of the whole Studio Shed startup story. Yeah, happy to. First of all, thanks for having me today, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here and reconnect. Yes, um, live, face-to-face. Yeah, face. Exactly, face-to-face yeah. face this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, better than virtual, right? For it's, sure. And it's the, the way of the world. So, no, happy to be here. And um, yeah, I can give a quick recap on yeah. the Studio Shed story. So Studio Shed, we're actually celebrating our 15th anniversary this year, which is exciting, it's right? A big we, deal. we joke, 15-year overnight success. Yeah. But <laughs> Um, we, we founded the company in 2008 and, uh, you know, my sort of an unorthodox background. I was a professional mountain bike racer for years, as was my wife. And we had, uh, too many mountain bikes and a small house and nowhere to put them. Um, I had an engineering degree from university of Colorado and always had a passion for modern architecture. So just designed and built myself a fancy storage shed, um, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And then my now business partner, Mike Koenig loved the idea. He said, can I copy it and build huh. one for myself? And then, uh, you know, he did. And then for a couple couple of years that was back in 2005 and then for a couple of years you know friends would come over backyard barbecues that, that's a great idea you guys should sell those and that was huh. one thing led to another and then here we are today you know so, so funny friends and family are always saying that's a great idea you should you know do you should sell this you should make more you should almost all of those are really bad ideas right i mean so and don't work as actual businesses so what do you think was you know, cutting to the chase. I mean, what do you think made Studio Shed actually a viable business versus these fantasies? I, well, there are a few. I think one is that it actually meets a real need for people, right? I think that's, I think oftentimes, you know, there's there's a lot of ideas that are great, but it doesn't necessarily fill a hole in the market. And I think for from a housing perspective, there are always, you know, people do need more space generally. And it's a really thoughtful and, uh, you know, a thoughtful, innovative and affordable way to add space to your home. So I think that's probably the key. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a great business partner, it helps, right? That's a big thing. Like my, you know, Mike has been a great partner. Um, we've been, it's been, a, it's been a happy Happy marriage on a business huh. level. So it's always easier when you don't have to go it alone. Um, so I think that's been a certain, certainly been one of the ingredients of success too, is a good, good team. That's cool. Now, just to clarify, what is the difference now between in today's market between a shed, 
a standalone space and like an ADU. Yeah, the line has become blurry, actually. And ADU so, meaning accessory dwelling Yeah, accessory dwelling, dwelling unit for people yeah. that aren't familiar with the term, which and it is becoming pretty popular now. And that's where then the company has moved in that direction. So, you know, when we first started, as I said, it was fancy storage sheds. We realized right away that that probably wasn't the use case. Um, Mike actually built his out as a backyard home office right away. And we realized that was the niche right away was, you know, something more like a backyard studio, home office, arts, creative studio, home gym. And that was really the, that's what set the foundation for the company was moving into that space. And then the accessory dwelling unit trend has accelerated in recent years, and it's become a really prominent conversation at a national yeah. level as far as a you know com- important component of the housing mix. So we've seen that demand you know from our customers for years and years now, and our product line has evolved to meet those needs, and that's where we see the yeah. trajectory of the company going today. So does an accessory dwelling unit, by definition or has it evolved to a definition to include a bathroom and a kitchen? That that's typically the case, right? So dwelling unit. So it's something that, yeah, bathroom and a kitchen. And you know, the we the company has had to evolve significantly to handle the complexity of that versus building, you know, something like a simple storage shed. You've got many, you know, trades, plumbing, electrical. Uh, it's a different animal. And you also have to hook into like a sewer system. Right. That you know, if it's just a if it's just a shed on a slab, like whatever, you could even run just a a cheap electrical line to it, and you're done. This is different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. And especially adding plumbing adds another level of complexity to the project. Yeah. Um, but for, it's still easier generally than doing a home remodel or an addition, which is one of the things that is favorable about it. So a detached structure, um, there are some advantages, right? You're not cutting into existing walls, having yeah. to, you know, marry up framing and foundation. So even with that level of complexity, it's still a pretty good way to add space. And, and your space to clarify too, is that like you said, it's affordable. It's affordable relative to a new house. But these, you know, these are still not sheds, really. No. And when you're talking about the accessory dwelling unit landscape, I mean, these are hundreds of thousands of dollar projects, right? And so when you say affordable, you're certainly contrasting that with, you know, new build cost and things like that in metropolitan areas. Yeah. So now where you are, before we shift into sort of some of the things you've learned along the way and all that, what is the size of your company now, either in terms of employees and volume and what? Um, so employee, so rate employees, we, um, we, we've had to downsize a little bit this year. We were at about 60, um, or starting the year and then now we're just over 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and that's been just a function of, you know, market conditions, right? Yeah. The housing industry has had a little bit of a downturn. We've been able to weather it quite well, actually, and we're still in a really good position. So that's where we're at today, sort of company size. And then, um, we're, we've got, we're doing about 400 projects a year right now. Mm-hmm. So we've got, you know, probably at any given time, probably about 150 units in some stage of wow. permitting or production or installation. Well, do you care about permitting? We do actually. We because permitting is a very necessary part of the process, and we do all of that. You, for do? you. Oh, so we do. So I was thinking yeah. it wouldn't be your problem at all. The customer handles all. No, that. we do it. Uh-huh. So we have a permit services department and an incredible design department. That um, so we because obviously again as you're moving into that accessory dwelling unit landscape, I mean these are projects that have to flow through the whole municipal process of you know generally new construction, and so everything from engineered foundations to you know the full permit plan set, you know all those considerations that go into that and and we do it we've got partnerships with you know engineering firm that can Mm. do stamps in all 50 states we can do uh you know the energy code compliance all of those things so that's the the, that's one of the ways that the company has grown right making it easier for the customer yeah and and i suppose you know those are services that you either bake in or charge for one or the other right yeah yeah so let's talk about 
how your company's matured. This is one of the fun things for me is, you know, I talk to somebody like you, who, I don't know, you hadn't done a whole lot of interviews two and a half years ago for podcasts. You've done a few, I suppose. Now you're just a pro. So, right. So, but let's talk about like, how would you describe the way your company's matured? You, you've just celebrating your 15th anniversary. You just, I'm not talking about going back and building your own shed, but from the day it was actually a business where you would say it was to where it is now, how would you describe the maturation? Um, I mean, it's been, it's, it's a long evolutionary process, right? And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back and then hopefully three steps forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say the level of professionalism has been, has been elevated across all of the, you know, different departments, right? There's more, um, there's a lot more moving pieces now than there were previously, especially doing more complicated projects. So, you know, the design team has their daily huddle, right. And the production team has their daily huddle and the, you know, and we, cause we're a manufacturer too, right. So we're running a manufacturing facility in Louisville. And that's been a, that, that has been a huge evolution. Mike and I were not manufacturing mm. experts when we started this business. And so I think that was something right around maybe 2017, we worked with um, some manufacturing consultants to really elevate the caliber of that production facility, you know, to really the standard of, you know, modular home building. Yeah. Um, and so, then well, were you making, I have to be, you have to be careful on how you answer this. I know, but like before you elevated the standards of modular home construction, those are your words, I think just then, were you just kind of hacking stuff together versus, you know, making tight it's it's a fair question, and I w we definitely were not hacking things together. Like the build quality and all of that has always been very high. It's all we've been, you know, the, the quality and those standards have been very high, but the efficiency probably wasn't there initially, right? It was a, it was, you know, it started as more of a job shop, and then now it's more of what you would actually call a manufacturing facility with you know real lean workflows, things like yeah, that. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, to what extent have you created sort of operational systems in the last? few years um the, quite a bit actually so there you know lean 5s right just in like just in time manufacturing we've done you know quite a training workshops for those With types just of 40 things, to right? 60 employees you're doing that we're doing so yeah for sure i mean because we're trying to you know we're, we're trying to keep a really lean organization and that's actually one of the really important things and that goes for not just the manufacturing but even something like design right leveraging software tools you know, revit you know building bombs all of those all, all of that type of stuff leveraging all of those What's best practices bill of materials oh, right so materials. yeah you know all right <laughs> yeah, there yeah. You, there's there think about the number of parts that go into yeah, a small yeah, home yeah. right everything from plumbing fittings oh, to you must have lumber and nails 50, and it's, parts. Uh, it's a skews it's it's not 30 or 50,000 but it is it's in thousands and yeah. so the management of those inventory systems right that kind of stuff is um you know really that that's what the difference from kind of the the early days until you know where it is now was that was that an expensive investment to go i mean was it a was it a huge step or because you can't really gradually create a an erp system right i mean it, it you either have one or you don't at some point yeah i mean there, there some of those have been more of like sort of big one-off projects and then some you can kind of grow into a little bit right like the marketing side of things you know working with digital agencies on the marketing side there's some things that are easier to grow into but yeah something like erp we use you know netsuite as ours and it's a, it's a that was a big project right yeah. it was a one-time one-time thing so yeah and i mean what did that cost um, I actually don't know because I was not the lead on that project. <laughs> well, I guess if you go back, you can ask Mike. I can ask Mike. Uh, so yeah, we, we're missing Mike right now. Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. Uh, Mike's not feeling well today. No, so no. unfortunately he couldn't join us. But um, so when you think about that evolution from uh, from a job shop to an efficient manufacturing place, I mean, what did you guys learn the hard way? Um. 
Well, I would say actually one of the things I think one of the things we learned the hard way was actually we probably would have brought brought on some consultants earlier mm -hmm. um, is probably one thing. So I think delaying some decisions that you know you need to make um, can cause some pain. I think. Um, you know, one of the other things I think that we probably were, which we're in the process of is the, one of the other things that was sort of awkward about that transition was when you're small and you're not really worried about scale yet, you tend to do a lot of things. We offer a lot of customization, um, and mm -hmm. we, we, and we still do, but we've had to become much more thoughtful about the customization that we offer in terms of scaling the manufacturing, both manufacturing and design. So really we're, one of the big projects right now is curating the offering a little better. And we've been, you know, really listening to our customers about why is it that you feel the need to customize this? Is it because we're not uh. offering exactly what you need? And then, okay, let's take that away. And then let's change the offering to make this more streamlined you know it's easier to sell because you're giving them what they want and then it's also easier to all of all of that flow through on a design and manufacturing level so probably embarking on some type of standardization mm. process earlier would have yeah. been helpful because now we've grown to a level where it's a little bit more difficult but we're still powering through it because we have to do it to be able to scale the business further but that makes a lot of sense though it, rather than just telling a customer no you can't have it learning from what the customers are saying they want and deciding then you have to make a decision. Is that something you want to either standardize or say no? Exactly. And that's a conversation that we have huh. all the time, right? And when you're a younger company, you say yes to everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because you just want the sale. And then we're fortunately in a position now where we can say no to more things. Um, but then, you know, that speaks to the competitive landscape a little bit too, right? Because we have to strike a balance. Our, our, on the accessory dwelling unit side, the, the primary competition for us is local design build firms. There are very mm -hmm. few companies that are doing yeah. what we're doing at national scale. And there are advantages to that, um, both cost, speed, and efficiency. But you can generally offer more customization if you're a local builder. Sure. So we have to be, we have to strike that right balance but You know, what there. comes to mind too is that the more customization you do, the more chance there is for error the more chance there is for things that don't work quite as tightly as they would if they were standardized, right? I mean, yeah. is that true? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you have when you, there's there's many more opportunities for quality control issues, you know, issues in the field. Um, you know, anything when you start, you know, doing hundreds of projects a year, the standardization of a lot of those processes makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And and even though, you know, customers might not like being told no, I think as a customer myself who likes things done right, I kind of like the idea that if you're telling me no, it's because it's for my own good, not just because you're being close-minded and petty. Right. That, and you that's know? the case a lot of times, right? Um, so that it is true. Yeah. Now, okay, here's here's a question I've been dying to ask you. After I sucked you into this whole conversation about efficiency, this was a trap qu trick question. So when you before you be are efficient, when you are a job shop, there's a certain level of energy and camaraderie and excitement around customization, around building everything different and around even creating hacks to fix stuff where everybody on the floor has the ability to like be creative, right? And there's a great energy around that. There is a flip side though, too, which is that it creates a lot of pain. So actually I would say most of the departments, there's much more enthusiasm in team building now that we've standardized a lot of these processes because a lot of the things that people had that were, you know, previously headaches, 
on a day-to-day level have been resolved by right better better process better standardization you know better product all of those things actually so i yeah. think it's true that there is an energy i mean and we still have that right i mean we're still a young you know we're not a, a giant corporation right you need to come in with dogs in the office it's a mm-hmm. great it's a great you know colorado culture company right yeah. um and so that energy is still there even with an elevated level of professionalism and what we found is actually that a lot of people are like oh thank thank goodness some of these processes are actually in place because it makes my job easier really yeah because you know i think of though of some of the you know young talented people and and the idea that you know they're faced with creative problems that they want to solve you know how do you we, keep that in the system? We, yeah, it's a, that's a great question. And actually what new product development is a big focus for us right now because the the accessory dwelling unit landscape is very wide open still. And we're actually launching a new product this week. I would encourage everyone to check out the website. Well, it'll be up by the time you hear yeah, this it podcast. What but, is it? Uh, so just new, it's, it's called the Aspect. Um, that's the name. It's a new model. A new model. The, yep, new model. It's, um, it's modeled on one of our first like B2B initiatives. We're doing a, a development of eight luxury cabins in... In, uh, in North Carolina at the Nantahala Outdoor Center. So mm. it's a, this is a, this is the, the, the customer facing offering of that product and it's beautiful. And so the, that's really, that type of thing creates a lot of creative energy within the company, right? Bringing new products to market and, you know, that is still, there's a very, there's a very good creative energy around that. And we've got a lot more in the pipeline. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, how are you seeing this market evolve? Because you know, during COVID, there was this huge rush of everybody wanting more space at home, you know, putting, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an extra dwelling unit or a studio shed or whatever, you know, behind their house. That market has softened some, right? So how are you seeing it evolving? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. Um, and so the, there certainly was a, a COVID bump for things like home offices, right? And we, yeah. we touched on this a little bit in the last podcast, but all because all of a sudden everybody was working from home. They needed an office yep. overnight. The purchase consideration period went way down and the, that that took off. And that market has softened significantly. The accessory dwelling unit side of the business has is continuing to get a lot of traction. And so that that trend is definitely in place. We've got record demand. Our leads are, you know, re- we're seeing really strong demand on the accessory dwelling unit side. Sales have still been a little bit softer than last year because of mostly because of interest rates. Mm-hmm. People are the demand is there, but it's a little bit harder for people to make that purchase because as I said, I mean the accessory dwelling units, you're talking about, you know, 2 or 300,000 dollars all they in. Are? Wow. Um, by the time was, you do foundation utilities. I mean, oh, it's a, yeah. you know, I was playing on your website doing the design model and I was, you know, choosing some upgrades and everything. I was coming yeah. out at around a hundred thousand dollars yeah. for a, you know, twenty by th- twenty five units. That's it. Yeah, I mean, fi- that's you know, sort of by the time you're really all in with your foundation and but you know, site work, utilities, trenching, uh, yeah, hooking yeah, all yeah. that up. There are additional costs there that you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of calculators on the website that you can get visibility into that for budgeting purposes. But the reality is, most people are financing those. And so a year mm-hmm. ago, you know, your HELOC was four and a half percent, and now it's nine and a half percent. So that's a yeah. different calculation. Um, so, so that affects the market. That affects yeah. the market. And yeah. so, you know, our sales are modestly down this year, but it's mostly due to that, um, the home office side of the business. The accessory dwelling units are being, are pretty strong. So. Yeah. What about, so fewer design sheds or yoga studios or offices, that's really the ADUs that are really thriving. Yeah, it's really now. thriving. Yeah. And that's, and, the, and it's really, um, there are a lot of, you know, more and more communities are embracing it as a housing solution. They're realizing that it's a gentler way to add density than say, you know, multifamily infill mm-hmm. and things like that. So we're, you're seeing a liberalization of zoning generally are you seeing many people in high density areas or even whatever areas you know putting in essentially an apartment 
uh, that they're just purely for income? So, some for the accessory dwelling units, yes. Yeah, so we are seeing some of that. We actually we're about to launch a showcase of our Airbnb properties, the people that have bought them specifically for short term wow. rentals, and so we've got a real nice showcase of that coming. Um, and actually, you'll even be able to like link out and, and book the the places if you want to experience what it's like to live in a studio shed. So that's kind of a cool initiative. But oh, yeah, we do see neat. that. Um, and the, so you a, could rent a studio shed on an Airbnb so that, that you could experience what that would be like if yeah. you actually had it. Oh, what a clever idea. Yeah. So, and then, like I said, we, we, and we've got quite a collection of those right now mm. and they're very nice, you know, pretty and geographically well distributed yeah. all over the country. So we'll talk about the competition. Cause you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I know when you started your business, you were early in the industry, you were doing a nicer product than most, um, Home Depot was selling shed sheds. Uh, Tough Shed was selling shed sheds. Now, both, I mean, even Home Depot is making ADUs. And at least I saw that on their website. I don't know how. So this competition must kind of, in a way, be annoying. Like you lead the field and all these other folks decide, hey... The, yeah, I mean, the ADU landscape is definitely more competitive. There's more players. It's a bigger, it's a, I mean, it's a much bigger addressable market. So it's a bigger, it's a bigger pond to play in. Um, bigger than the, just people who want sheds? Um, I mean, probably at the high end of what we're doing. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah. like if you're talking about your garden shed, that's a, that's a, you know, enormous market, but we're not really competitive. Yeah, never, yeah, yeah. We're, we never intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, on the accessory dwelling unit side, there are, as I mentioned earlier, our primary competition is local design build firms. Hmm. And the advantage that they have is they is the local presence piece. They, they are, they're generally yeah. a general contractor. They can go in, they can give you a turnkey quote for the foundation, all of the site work, yeah, trenching yeah, yeah. utilities, those type of things, which we can facilitate. We've got a network of about 60 installation partners over all across the country that they, they do that same thing, but there's a little bit more handholding to get that kind of single turnkey packaged quote into the hands of a customer. And the advantage we have is that it's generally, we can generally beat design build on price and certainly timeline. Yeah. Um, yeah. The time that it takes us to put together a permit plan set and get the engineering done is a fraction of what that takes mm. when you have a, you know, design from, you know, an architect yeah, that's, forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, I almost forgot to, uh, let listeners know this is Proco 360, named Best Colorado Business Podcast the last three years. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast for people who love Colorado and the stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. My guest today is Jeremy Nova, co-founder of Studio Shed. I want to thank our great sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Kinsley Meeting is our longest running sponsor. The business is growing based on a great reputation for planning and, and uh, conducting events with lots of variables. Also, because Steve and Allison are really nice people to work with and their team. So, uh, also via technologies, thanks for hosting Proco 360. Uh, you guys give me great help. The team helps me with the website. It's pretty data heavy, and I appreciate their all of the stuff you do to keep that going. Finally, Colorado Biz Magazine. Our partnership is one of building our audiences together. So, go to Proco360.com and check them out. So, um, Jeremy, yeah, the competition thing is kind of interesting to me. Um, and it sounds like, yeah, the turnkey piece that you have allows you to to compete against local build. I mean, these are basically people who show up with their trucks and their vehicles and they've, they install, they just start from scratch, right? So, but I would almost think that a pre-designed, prefab building in this scale is going to be likely tighter 
more reliable and everything else. It's definitely the case. The, I mean, the framing tolerances that you can achieve in a factory are yeah. far superior to what you can see in a field. We hear it all the time. Like, you know, people can't believe, oh, my roof was square to within a half an inch across a 60 foot diagonal kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that that is a huge advantage. And that's really where the biggest value add is, is on, um, you know, the, the efficiency of that shell construction and prefab. And, you know, prefab has definitely, I think, outgrown its negative connotations. It's truly I, I like, so. a, um, it's, it's very, it's a very well accepted portion of the housing mix right now. And then I think, and because of some of those advantages of scale, we're really moving into, you know, looking for more B2B relationships at this point. What's that mean for you? uh, So for us, that means probably partnering with like builder developers who want to do multi-unit developments, either like kind of micro communities, or as I mentioned, that one example of, you know, luxury cabin development, glamping resorts. We've got a lot of kind of irons in the fire like that and have closed a couple deals already, which well, there's a lot of yeah. opportunity there. That makes a lot of sense. A developer, that's not your space. You're not into putting in roads and all that stuff. But if they want to create these right. kinds of things, we you can, can get, we can deliver them the buildings and wow. very, and very efficiently. Um, and, and a lot of the back end piece too. a lot of those builders, they don't necessarily want to deal with the permitting, the engineering for all of that, for all the building. We can take care of all of that mm. and they can focus on a lot of the other things. And then, and there's a lot of, if you're a, if you're a builder or developer there's a lot of efficiencies you can generally leverage with our product it goes together very fast you could bring you could come in drywall 10 units at the same time you know Mm. wire 10 units at the same time i would think that somebody who wanted to develop a resort not for resale or anything but just simply as a resort what an easy what an easy quick an affordable way to do it and turn those rooms fast i mean within a year you probably are from from dirt to up and running. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the prefab, but the, a, a panelized building system, I mean, it'll take a couple months out of a construction wow. timeline, which is yeah. very meaningful yeah. if you're a you know, developer. Sure. Now, how have you funded all this growth? Uh, well, I mean, it's w- w- initially it was an initially it was all self-funded and, mm. you know, b- loans that Mike and I had, and then we grew out of that pretty quickly and the business is profitable now. So we can self-fund, you know, all of the growth that we need to. You can. Yeah. Wow. So you're able to pay yourselves finally, and you're able to stash stash enough away that you can fund growth when yep. you need to? We are right now. That's yep. great. Let's talk about these expanding markets. You talked about a couple of really interesting ones. Um, what other kinds of things? I mean, you mentioned we've got all these issues with affordable housing now, and that falls into two categories, really. It's affordable for people who are working, and then we're looking at housing for the unhoused. So are you in that world we we are in that world a little bit, and it's a, and I mean I mean certainly something like the housing for the unhoused. I mean, there's a bit of an un- intractable problem there, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. that that problem is not necessarily solved by just putting up units necessarily, right? There's more complexity there. But affordable housing is a little bit different. Like if you're looking at something like you know in Colorado, right? Resort communities, where workplace housing, yeah, that kind of stuff. There's a very good fit there, and we have had quite a few conversations with several mm. resort communities about you know even being a manufacturing part partner for, you know, things that are a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, we can begin to entertain those conversations because of the level that our facility is at now. And that's a part of the B2B, you know, relationships that I, that I mentioned there is that there there is a fit there for what we're doing. How does that, that. how does that compete though with like a mobile home park? Right. I mean, at a mobile home park, you would certainly, I mean, at the very, if you're, if you're looking for cost above all else, we are not the cheapest alternative. But if you're talking about something like where you want workplace housing, where you're expecting some level of, you know, both, you know, green building, right, is important, right? Sustainability, energy efficiency, right? Real, you like real housing, not just like modular trailer prefab, right? That next level of, 
sophistication where you want you know it's it's affordable housing but it's for it's targeted at a community that wants to live in yeah. somewhere that's yeah. like actually nice um with that generally we're pretty cost competitive um so you could build a you know a thousand square foot home on a pad and that's going to be what a quarter of a million dollars probably a little bit more than that but um actually well the piece if if the foundation was in place that's kind of in the ballpark i mean yeah. 300 to 400 a square foot mm-hmm. at that and that yeah, and it's which generally is generally less than would, half of what you, yeah half at least less yeah. half less the, yeah the, the i would say one thing that's important to note with accessory dwelling units is oftentimes people are unimpressed by the cost per square foot for those because that you have all the most expensive ingredients right you have a kitchen you have a bathroom and if that's mm. in a 500 square foot building uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. your cost per square foot is going to look pretty high as soon as you go bigger you know, a thousand square foot, uh, those improve yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that's a, it's a, it's sort of a tricky comparison to compare yeah. ADUs because you have all of the bells and whistles of, a you know, 2000 square foot home packed into yeah. 500 square feet or yeah. 700 square feet. And you still have the walls. And you, you still, still have, have the same, right. yeah, you still have everything, just less open air. Right. And so that, huh. but that, so it's, it's a little bit of an apples yeah, and oranges yeah, yeah. comparison when you're comparing those small buildings. So when you really look at it critically, as far as what the components are, it's, uh, it, it's generally very cost competitive, which is why we're running a successful business, yeah. right? It does work. That's cool. What challenges, you know, do you, like when you think of running Studio Shed with Mike, like as we're talking and you talk to other people and you think about this is not as easy as it seems like what do you think about that we wouldn't think of because we're not in the business yeah i mean building i mean the the building industry in general is messy right i mean it's sort of you're i mean if you're talking about trying to manage like 60 contractor teams all over the country and you know you've got 150 projects in some stage of permitting there's a fair amount of complexity there right you're getting red lines from the city about this or that and i mean you you wouldn't believe the stuff that you know comes up right like oh someone wants to put an adu in and then oh well that's too far from the fire hydrant on their street so you have to put a fire like that kind of stuff, you know, yeah, where it's like, yeah. there's really things that are way outside of our control that end up affecting our customers. And then how do we navigate that? So there's those kind of day-to-day challenges. I think it's a difficult business to scale. We're certainly, that's the, we're working mm, on that why? as hard as we can. I would think it would be easy to scale. You get a bigger space and you the manufacturing The and... manufacturing piece is easy to scale. The getting it on the ground piece is the harder part to scale, right? You know, oh, when you're talking about the high touch, about, the com- high touch you're ta- uh, you know, you're talking yeah. about pouring concrete foundations and putting plumbing coming in and, you know, managing all of that at scale is, is difficult. I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges. Yeah. And um, until you get into this B2B space where you're doing 20 at a time or 50 at a time, yeah. that's easier to scale, and right? That, exactly. And that's one of the reasons that we see that as a good growth opportunity. I see. Got it. So you're still going to be in Colorado. Yep. Although are, you told me before we started that you're not entirely in Colorado. You're I, testing a new concept. I'm not. I, yeah. I'm, I'm between Colorado and Hawaii now, right? Uh, poor me. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. But we, so we actually, uh, my wife and I prototyped a studio shed home concept out there, 996 square feet we're living in it with our two kids so we're sort of proof living proof that li- bigger is not necessarily better so family of four in a 996 square foot studio shed out in hawaii we bought land a couple years ago did and you... then did the project ourselves so i i wanted to get my hands dirty again yeah, yeah I, so that was i uh you know i had been doing the you know in front of the computer for for mm. many many years at studio shed and wanted to get back out in the field build something and so did that yeah. and it, it's uh it, it turned out great we love living so in when it. you were building it and you hadn't built one for a while i assume you were building your own did you like say damn 
this isn't right. Oh, I learned. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was it was an, it was an incredible, um, you know, closed loop feedback process to like installation teams. And, you know, I, I think I've got a much better understanding of what some of the pain points are after going through that process. Um, and that's really valuable. Yeah. Uh, last question. Like, it's kind of hard to see where your industry's going because it seemed like it was going to just skyrocket in ADUs and the market soften a little bit. It sounds like what you're saying is the real like separate from your business enterprise, which is going towards B2B developments and things like that. But I mean, where do you see that whole industry going? I think, um, I mean, the whole industry, so the accessory dwelling unit um, market will grow significantly. You look at any community, Denver included, they all have very aggressive targets for how many, you know, dwelling units they want to add over, Mm -hmm. say, the next five to 10 years. So that addressable market is going to get significantly bigger. There will be more people going after it. I think the cost of construction is going to remain high. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's certainly yeah. what we're seeing. So I think anyone that can leverage efficiencies in that industry is going to do well. That's certainly what we seek to do. I think people are going to have to become more efficient to create even some level of affordability yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, like everything, the housing market is cyclical, but the reality is there's a, there's an incredible unmet demand for housing. Mm. So hmm. um, it, yeah. that market is going to continue to grow. All these new opportunities must be fun to look at and fun to explore. For it, it is. It's fun. I mean, it's fun to be in a business where there's almost like two, there, like there, there's almost like you, you have to figure out where to pursue the opportunity. And so actually lasering in on sort of where the focus is on day to day is something that we need to be really mindful of because it, that you can, you, there, there's a lot of bullets you could fire in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are you focused more, like, do you get more jazzed by business opportunity and growth or by creative new models that you want to launch? I, me personally, you know, I'm sort of more connected on the marketing and product side. So I do get really energized by the new product development. Like I said, I like getting my hands dirty. I like yeah. building. I like seeing, you know, I, I like talking, talking shop with the the design team and those guys and, and stuff like that. And so that's, uh, I, I certainly like that. And I like the creative energy of the marketing side too. That's cool. Well, let's wrap up there. It's been good to catch up. Oh my gosh, Jeremy. It's yeah. uh, We covered, I'm looking at the clock here. It's over a half an hour already. Oh, that, that so blew by. Yeah, it th- did. Yeah, thanks so for having me. I got an idea for something I need you to build for me. We're going to talk about after this. Hey, I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today I'm Proco360. You've been listening to my conversation with Jeremy Nova, co-founder of Studio Shed. Listeners, glad you're here on Proco360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. Well, some guests choose Colorado and Hawaii. Are you going to stay there? You know, that's the, that's the question everyone asks. I think you, you never, you, that's a question you can never answer. You never know. Everyone that lives there says, you know, you, you never know. Yeah. You can't put a date on it. No, so. well, what a fun idea though. You're living in both places. How yeah. great. So, hey, listeners, you make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show sponsors via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's the show. Live, work, love, Colorado.